listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert Monk. Yes, welcome everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards Podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, it's Wednesday, the 20th of March. Bit of a weird one being on a Wednesday. Um, hope we haven't ruined all you listeners' uh, schedules out there too much. But we've got a good show in front of us today. Of course, we have the AFC Storylines. Uh, joining us, as he always does, is uh, Lee. Lee, it feel, feels like it's been an absolute age since we uh, last spoke and, and did the uh, NFC uh, equivalent. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Uh, obviously, we've gotten used to talking to each other every week, and it's been eight days, so yeah, definitely yeah. it feels a little bit longer. That extra that extra day, which strain, strain, yeah. on, strain on our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, okay, is it, yeah, just for anyone that didn't miss the NFC one last week, go and check that out. We, we, we talked with uh, Anthony Savino from across the pond uh, as well. But yeah, since we since we last spoke, Lee, what, you been up to anything? How, how you been? Uh, what have I been up to? Um, commiserating myself over Leeds, getting beaten by Sheffield United at the weekend. Done. Kind of ruined my weekend a little bit. And uh, as you might be able to hear, I picked up another cold, which is great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not, not great, to be honest. Yeah. Not, not a good week. <laughs> Started on a really positive note. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, just yeah, going to try and do a slightly uh, earlier, well, slightly quicker podcast today. We shall see how that one ends up. Uh, probably not quick because I like to ramble on. But um, yeah, obviously, if you whilst you're whilst you're listening to this podcast, why not head over to our website fullteenyards.com and check out our where do they go from here series articles looking at the AFC South this week. I think Lee, you dropped uh, the Colts yesterday, didn't you? And I, I did the Texans on Monday. Uh, obviously, tomorrow will be the Titans and then the Jags on Friday. That'd be me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I'm, I'm enjoying this series. It's really cool. Mm. Uh, I think we said it before, but it gets you to look in depth at, uh, you know, back at a team or you know, a series of teams as we are doing. Yeah. Um, in a way that you didn't do like, as the season was on. And it just, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool, I feel, to mm. just, just look back and start kind of review and just find things out that you didn't know before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So go and check all of those out. We'll get through every uh, every division, every team. I think we've done the uh, both North divisions as well, haven't we? So go and check those out as well. Uh, quiz, obviously, a bit later on, we have uh, Sam from the uh, Head on the Swivel podcast. So, uh, his uh, his compadre Tom was was on a couple of weeks ago to talk Tampa Bay with us in our exit interview podcast. Um, but I'll put the mockers on it today, Lee. I've got I've gone for a fizzy drinks theme. So um, you know, if any, anyone out there wants to to put forward their thoughts uh, at full ten yards on the Twitter, um, your num- if you had the number one mock draft, if you had the number one pick in a fizzy drink mock uh, mock draft, Lee, who would you pick? Uh, so obviously, as I've had a cold, and uh, your regular doesn't know this, happens to be a couple of times recently. I've really acquired a taste for you know the orange Lucasade, like the fizzy one. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've actually got some of that right now, just to try and like sort of get myself through the day. Mm. So I've, I've kind of like picked up a taste for that recently. So um, yeah, maybe you know you always get those uh, draft risers where you know picks up the hype. Like, I feel like Bacon Mayfield last year, you know, no one thought he'd go number one. Well, Lucas Aid is my Bacon Mayfield at the moment. <laughs> he's number one overall to me. That sounds sounds like a, a nickname in the making there, Lucas Aid, Bacon Mayfield. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, um, I, I don't mind Lucas Aid. I'm, I'm more of the original fan. I really did like the uh, the orange one back in the day, but I, I, whenever I taste it now, I can always taste the sugar in, in the orange one, but not so much in the original. So I'm an original over orange. But if I uh, if I had the number one pick, I'd go to- Dr Pepper. Love a do- bit of Dr Pepper or Cherry Coke as a, as, a, as a secondary if uh, Dr Pepper's not available. Probably a bit of a uh, uh, not not a common one for for Dr Pepper. Everyone's obviously a Pepsi. Yeah, or, get, or get behind it. Dr Pepper's, Dr. Pepper's a good choice. Yeah, yeah. get behind that. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know uh, what your thoughts are. What's your favourite drink? We'll put we'll put a poll out actually. So we'll do uh, we'll do orange Lucasade against Dr Pepper and see see who comes out right. on top there. Yeah. Look out. <laughs> really, really real choice for the poll. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there are choices, so suck it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I suppose being living <laughs> living in Scotland, I suppose I, I'd have to give an honourable mention to Iron Brew, but I think that stuff that stuff is disgusting. So um, yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna advocate that. And sorry to all the Scottish listeners out there, I just don't like Iron Brew. Right, that's my that's my South London roots for you. Um, <laughs> Also joining us today is a guy who I love filling up my timeline on Twitter. Uh, from across the pond, his, his stats and insights, and if, if anything else, just the glorious colours of Excel uh, ranking. It's of course uh, the, the man, the legend, uh, JJ Zacharyson. JJ, welcome onto the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. And of course, uh, anyone out there that doesn't know JJ's work, um, you're, you're leading life wrong, and you should change that immediately. Um, but uh, JJ, you of course are an advocate of you know your Twitter handle is at Late Round QB, so that kind of tells you all you need to know uh, about yourself, and that you of course host the Late Round podcast. 
I do, yeah, yeah. And the late round quarterback, just to be clear, is a, is definitely a fantasy driven one, not a real real <laughs> life football one. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, I don't I don't think uh, it can it kind of relate. But I, I'm very much a late round quarterback too. So that begs the question, JJ, uh, who who's your late round quarterback for 2019 redraft? Uh, I think I think Jameis Winston's got to be up there. His ADP just keeps falling, and, and he's in a really favorable spot. Uh, um, you know, Bruce Arians is there. You got a vertical passing attack for a guy who likes to throw it deep pretty frequently. Uh, he has good weapons and OJ Howard and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So I'm I'm pretty bullish on on Jameis Winston. Mm. Yeah, I mean, without without giving too much away for for all my friends that listen to this, who I'm in fantasy leagues with, but I, I'm a big fan of uh, Dak Prescott this year. Yeah, I can dig it. I can see it. Mm. Um, yeah, if you, so if you want to get in touch with JJ on social media at LayRoundQB, uh, so you're also the uh, quite strongly related to, to FanDuel as well. Are you, are you a DFS guy over the season long, JJ? Uh, I, I, season long is, is definitely my forte, uh, but I, I, uh, I definitely give uh, DFS advice. But yeah, I'm, a, I'm an employee. I'm the editor-in-chief over at FanDuel. Uh, FanDuel acquired Number Fire about three and a half years ago now, so it's all part of the same family over there. Yeah, absolutely. And I say, I very much recommend everyone check out uh, JJ's uh, podcast, uh, the late round, uh, late round podcast. And I have to, I have to say, JJ, from from listening to to your podcast, uh, kudos to you for for doing a show that's you know a one man band is not not an easy job. But you, the way you come across and say your your voice, um, have, have you ever tried doing uh, audio books or trying to apply for audio book jobs? Because you've got quite quite, <laughs> quite a voice there. You know, it's funny that you say that because if if uh, if I go and look at at the reviews or if I see some stuff written by people on Twitter and Reddit and whatnot. There's a lot of, uh, not a lot, but there's some negativity saying that my voice can be whiny and I sound like a teenager that's just getting upset over things. But really it's just what I, what I tell people is that the, the, what they think is whininess is me just getting excited and being passionate about what I'm covering. No, absolutely. And uh, I was trying to, I was trying to put down, uh, what, what it was about your voice that's, uh, kind of brought, brought, what, what brought to mind. And I kind of have you as if they ever brought back scrubs, you could just narrate that or be like the, the kind of th- the first person thoughts yeah. of, of scrubs. That's kind of, where yeah, I, I see that. Yeah. But there we go. That, that is a compliment. Trust me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm <laughs> not going to, I'm not, not going to invite you onto the podcast and, and then dis, you know, dish you by associating you with scrubs. But I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you like, if you liked that program or not. So uh, yeah, there we go. Um, but yeah. So yeah, obviously those of friends over here. Love Love your podcast and love your work as well. So have you, have you ever been to the UK at all, JJ? You know, I haven't. It's crazy. I've been. I. I actually haven't been to Europe before. Um. But I've. I've been to like. Like Seoul, South Korea. Like I've been to random places, but I actually never gone over to Europe. But I. I will say, and I mentioned this on, on my other podcast, Living the Stream, before. Um. And, and the the UK listeners, um, of Living the Stream were very very upset because I did let people know that I microwave my tea. Oh really? That's a that's an interesting. Uh, well, to to be fair, I, I'll take that over. You know, having drinking half a cup of tea and then putting hot water back into it. So I'll uh, we'll we'll let you off for that one. Okay, that's good. That's good because <laughs> I, I feel like if I were to walk into go over to Europe and specifically in the UK, people would just shun me for for microwaving my tea. But um, no, I haven't been over there. I really want to get over there. It'd be really awesome. Uh, well, if you're ever in Scotland or the south of England in Brighton, we, we'll, we'll both have you uh, over, although I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to wag at uh, uh, an all-expenses-paid nice nice hotel. So maybe uh, maybe the, the choice there is an easy one, but um, we, we, we digress. <laughs> so let's get into the AFC East. We'll start with the Champions League. What's the storyline for 2019? Yeah, so like I say, the defending champions and it's it's kind of like a two-part thing for me on this one um kind of how they'll stay on top how the patriots will stay on top and and kind of how they'll keep an eye sort of on the future as well obviously you know as we know they've got great they've got brady they've got Gronk, they've got belichick and they've got to start to sort of look to refresh that a little bit but obviously while staying on top because that's the name of the game uh, each year new england does this they kind of ruthless, ruthlessly refresh their roster uh, but obviously to stay on top they know they've had that longevity for a long time now uh, and they've kind of cracked it more than more than most teams have, more than anyone te- any teams have really. Mm. You know, so then obviously looking forward to, like, to the draft and sort of moving on as the season comes closer. You know, will they draft a new tight end? Will they draft a mid-round QB, say, to to groom behind TB12? You know, and you know they never really go for the big names in free agency. But will they pick up you know teams players that get caught or you know the sort of like more non-obvious names? So it's just kind of like looking towards and keeping an eye out for how they're going to do that really. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to it speaks to the, the Patriots as, as an organisation that, you know, all these teams, all the other 31 teams in the NFL are, are scrambling around getting free agent signings and having visits and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and Bill Belichick's off in, in the Caribbean with his top off and just and just enjoying life. JJ, what, um, what, what, how is, obviously, he's highly regarded in terms of NFL coaches and, and it's going to be one of the best and going to be a Hall of Famer and, and all the rest of it. What, um, kind of, what is that, is that portrayed, obviously, over in the States as well? Because that's, obviously, we don't, obviously, get as much, uh, you know, newspaper talk or media talk over here than, than, than you do over there. Yeah, I mean, Bill Belichick is, is regarded as a, as a football god. Um, you know, he's, he does things with teams that, that no other coach can do. I mean, if you look at the Patriots roster, it's it's not that great of a roster. Uh, you know, offensively, they have a ton of holes at wide receiver. Now they have a ton of holes at defensive line. Um, you know, if, if you were to take that roster and, and give an average head coach that roster, um, you know, we wouldn't be projecting them to win the division, which that's almost a lock for New England. You know, it's very fortunate that they don't have a lot of competition in the division. But <laughs> at the same time, uh, you know, Bill Belichick is that good of a head coach. Tom Brady's been that strong of a quarterback that they can get they can hide so much because of those two guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we move swiftly on to another team that has a lot of holes in it is the uh, the Buffalo Bills. Um, obviously, it's not really uh, Josh Allen's fault, but uh, yeah, coming into into last season and my my storyline for 2019 is is what does uh, what does Josh Allen's progress look like? And you know, can can he get some chemistry going with with the new pieces that are on offense? So you know, coming into into 2018, he was picked seven in the draft. Buffalo trading up to to go and get him. He was the butt of all jokes a little bit, wasn't he, in saying that you know, he could overthrow the moon and uh, and all the rest of it. But uh, as soon as he stepped onto that field, uh, I think he surprised everyone in terms of, you know, his leadership and he, also his production. You know, pro- you know, predominantly on his, by his legs as well. But you know, he carried Buffalo at, at times in the season. Uh, you know, everyone says you know that their shock win in, in Minnesota and you know all the rushing touchdowns that he had. You know, eight to nine rush attempts is is probably way more than he he would have thought going into the season. Uh, but eight touchdowns on, on the ground. Is as well but you know the storyline is going to be you know he's now got a few weapons uh, in Cole Beasley and John Brown who you know John Brown and Josh Josh Allen are a match made in absolute heaven uh, and Tyler Croft as well so you know going into into last season yeah he had Robert Foster he had Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie and, and Zay Jones and Charles oh. Clay uh, and, and not a lot else so you know his completion percentage of, of 52.8% is, is going to kind of reflect you know what he had on offense uh, but let's not also forget the offensive line as well. He lost three fifths of that, and Mitch Morse coming over from Kansas City uh, to, to help with that as well. We, we should we should see you know, Josh Allen's progression as a quarterback, and, and more importantly, his accuracy uh, come under the spotlight coming into into 2019. So uh, I think whilst it's exciting times in Buffalo, it'd be interesting to see uh, the progression of of Josh Josh Allen in year two. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we were two of the people who were sort of making those jokes, weren't we? And, you know, that's what Buffalo got to do. They've got to give him weapons, give him more protection. And then, you know, they, they've invested a top 10 pick in him, like you say. So they've got to do stuff to, to sort of get, get the reward from that investment, really. And, and I'm sure they'll do that. And it'll all be looking up in Buffalo. Because like you say, it was a bit of a surprise last year. Surprisingly good anyway. Yeah. And let's not forget as well, he, uh, he has a couple of... Uh, Guys in the backfield who who are more than capable uh, of cast, uh, p- catching passes out of the backfield as well. So I'd expect I'd be shocked uh, if that fifty two point eight percent completion percentage is, is troubled uh, in, in twenty nineteen. What do you what do you make of of Josh Allen, JJ? Yeah, he's a really interesting uh, prospect slash uh, you know player now in the NFL to watch. Uh, you know, coming out of school, I wasn't a fan. You know, he didn't hit that sixty percent completion percentage kind of threshold that you like to see. Um, with, with quarterbacks coming out, um, last season though, you know, you, you mentioned the John Brown signing, I think from a real football standpoint, it's a, it's a, a great signing. Mm. Um, and I say real, you know, obviously with, with fantasy being the other, the other alternative there. Um, but Josh Allen threw it deep 15 plus air yards at the highest rate in the NFL last season. The problem, uh, was that only Ryan Tannehill had a worse completion percentage on those throws. Mm. Um, so there, there is a little bit, uh, you know, reason to, to be nervous, um, but I think a guy like John Brown can certainly help that, given his speed and his ability to stretch the field. Um, so, you know, I think that we should be at least a little bit optimistic about Josh Allen taking the next step. It's just that, you know, coming out, he wasn't the most polished prospect. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, okay, we shall move on then swiftly to Miami. JJ, take the take the stage. Yeah, so I mean, I think the big thing with Miami right now uh, is is the fact that they're basically tanking, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> 
what what is this team going to look like? Uh, you know, is it is what they're doing going to be sustainable in any way? Um, and and is Ryan Fitzpatrick really? You know, is it is it too good of a signing? Is it you know is he someone who can actually get them more wins than they probably want? Sounds like that they're planning for the the strong quarterback class next season, so they might not even take a quarterback in this draft class. So Miami's just you know they're at a point where what are they doing? You know, what is is there is there a real plan behind what they're doing, um, or is it just one of those situations where? They're trying to rebuild, but they don't completely know how to do it. And if you look at what Miami has done historically, it's sort of been the case. So, um, you know, it, it's a, it, it could be an offense uh, that could struggle a lot. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to cite what Fitzpatrick did last season in Tampa Bay um, and, and be be pretty optimistic about what he could maybe do in Miami. But, I mean, it's you, you, you might not be able to find a bigger difference in weapons going from a place like, uh, Tampa Bay to Miami. So I, I think that there's just fear and there's a lot of ambiguity as to what this team's going to look like. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the, the two words that are going to be rammed down our throats in the offseason is, is uh, I've heard a lot, a lot already, is uh, organically tanking. And yeah, I don't, <laughs> don't know who's coined that, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Because on the on the other side of the of the of the coin, there you've got Brian Flores who's come in from New England, and it'd be interesting to see how the 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 GM and, and all the guys in the in the office there for Miami have, have kind of sold it to Brian Flores or you know because I'm, I'm not I can't imagine for one minute Brian Flores is going to come in and say okay I'm, yeah I don't mind tanking for a year because it's not going to make him look great is it um, so yeah it'd be interesting to see also if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, has enough magic to sprinkle on that team uh, I I very much doubt not um, but talking of sprinkling a lot of magic the New York Jets uh, they've uh, added a lot of magic to their team in the off season and of course the big storyline is going to be Le'Veon Bell uh, and obviously what what you know, what shape is he going to be in? You know, we're going to get the coaches speak all off season of, you know, hashtag best shape of his life uh, and all that chatter as well. The coaches speak saying, you know, he's not he's not Mr. B and and, and all the rest of it. But uh, you know, this is a twenty seven year old who obviously missed out last last season to the tune of fourteen and a half million. Now, whether or not you you feel that's the right decision or not is is by the by. But you know, fifty two million, twenty seven guaranteed. Um, but yeah, if you're not playing football, you, you can't be in football shape. So it'd be interesting to see what he's he's you know in the off season he's he's gotten used to driving jet skis and, and dropping uh, and, and dropping bars. So uh, neither of which I don't think were, were too good. But um, yeah, this is a, this is a guy though, Le'Veon Bell. Every every season he's he's been healthy. He's challenging the two thousand uh, yards from scrimmage mark uh, each season. So. Uh, the other thing that would be quite interesting to see how he gets on with the the offensive line coming from from Pittsburgh, which has notoriously been a great one for 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 him over the years. Uh, it's going to be a, signi- a significant downgrade for him in in New York. So it would just be interesting to see you know, what shape he's in and you know, can he can he reproduce the the magic that he sprinkled on the NFL uh, in the first couple of years of his career. Um, but I've got, I've got a question for both of you, JJ. I'll start with you first. Uh, over or under four hundred and six touches in twenty nineteen. Um, I'm going to, I'll say under, um, and and the main reason, um, is because if you look at Adam Gase's offense over the last few seasons in Miami, I understand that the personnel is a little bit different. You know, it's not as bad as what he was working with in Miami, but, um, Miami played at a really slow pace and they had the fewest plays run in in all football. Um, and actually this is kind of, kind of related, but not really related to the question directly, but, um, Miami over the last two years, they've only run the ball eight times at the goal line, which is by far, it's not even close by far the fewest number, the, the lowest number in the NFL. So I'm just, I'm just worried about overall volume in that offense. And I think that on top of that, there's the worry of what if Sam Darnold doesn't take a step forward? You know, what if there's still a bottom five ish offense from, from, a, from an efficiency and scoring standpoint, um, so that, that's, that's where I think the fear is. Um, so I would take the under. Yeah, absolutely. If I, I haven't just drawn out 406 from, from the air and four that was a good number. That's the uh, number of touches he got for Pittsburgh in 2016, uh, 2017. Lee, what's under for you as well? Yeah, I would go under. It's a lot, it's a hell of a lot of touches. Um, and you know, New York Jets offense isn't that bad. You know, they're going to add some pieces. They're going to add some more pieces, uh, in the coming draft and, and, you know, it's not that bad to begin with as it is. So, uh, yeah, I just think he'll spread it around a bit more. I don't think it's all going to be about Le'Veon Bell as much as he would like it to be. And, yeah, it's going to be under that amount, for sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the reason we bring this up was it was a main a main reason that he sat out last year was the fact that he thought the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to give him you know a million touches uh, and just grind him into the ground before you know setting him off into the sunset. So uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what kind of workload the Jets uh, give Bell or try and give Bell or whether he will be happy. 
Uh, let's move on then to the AFC North. Uh, let's start with uh, Lee, the, the, the division champion, Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, so I think the, the main storyline for the Ravens this year is kind of something that we've mentioned previously um, and something that I've mentioned a lot. And that's you know, installing Lamar's offense. Obviously, it's going to be quite a bit different to what we've seen with Joe Flacco in the past, over the past uh, decade or so, I guess. Uh, with the Ravens, you know, the new era started last year, but now it's the first full season with Lamar on the centre. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves further uh, to accentuate Lamar's strengths and hide his weaknesses as well. Mm. Uh, you know, who, what pieces are they going to put around him that, that are going to help him and how are they going to just further tailor that offence to probably be more run-heavy, but also to work in uh, some nice easy throws, some nice layup throws that he can make and just kind of build his confidence and sort of build the offense in that way. So, yeah, I think it's all just about Lamar this season, or this off-season, should I say, for the Ravens. Mm. Yeah, Baltimore, a funny one, because obviously the, the mass exodus are there on, on defense, and, you know, the, the offense is, is, you know, if you're a run-first, run-heavy offense, you want a defense to, to kind of keep you in game. So you do worry uh, how effective it's going to be if, if a team that, that plays them gets on top uh, by 7-10 to 10 or, or up quite quickly. They're not, they're not designed uh, to come from behind. What did you make, uh, JJ, of the, uh, the mass exodus uh, on the Baltimore Ravens defense, I know they've they've added uh, L. Thomas um, in, in the free agency as well. But we you surprised at the the amount of people they've let go. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think that they were smart at least with like the Mosley uh, offer and whatnot, yeah. and uh, you know, not overpaying for him. Yeah. Um, but but I think the one thing to keep in mind too is that what we typically see, at least from a statistical standpoint is a lot of turnover on defense year over uh, team defense year over year. So what that means is, you know, we saw it last year with Jacksonville, you know, they're, they're not, they didn't perform at the quite the elite level they did the year before. So what that means is for teams like Chicago and Baltimore, there's just natural regression that's going to happen. Mm. And the fact that that regression is now being combined with the fact that they lost some of these key defensive players, it's a little bit scary for, for what this Baltimore team could look like. And then on top of that, you have this offense that might be a little bit unsustainable with Lamar Jackson under center. And if they do see more negative game scripts, which I think is also a big fear, that means Lamar Jackson's going to have to throw the ball more, and that's not what they want to do in this offense. So I think that there's a chance that that Baltimore ends up being a lot more of a disaster of a team in 2019 uh, than a lot of people are giving them credit for. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, talking of of disasters, could be a potential one in Pittsburgh. JJ, tell us all about it. Yeah, there, there, there definitely could be one. Um, you know, I think that the big question mark and storyline with, with Pittsburgh going into 2019 um, is less about the defense and more about what that offense is going to look like without Antonio Brown, you know. Um, and obviously Le'Veon Bell is part of that, but we saw a year without Le'Veon Bell, and there wasn't necessarily that big of a drop-off from an efficiency standpoint with the running game. There was from a volume standpoint because they were a very pass-heavy team, mm. but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, so I think the big question is, what this offense is going to look like without Antonio Brown. Juju Smith-Schuster should probably see an uptick in target share in that offense. But, you know, obviously without Antonio Brown there, Juju's going to draw a a lot stronger coverage in the offense. Um, And he's probably not going to have the luxury of playing in the slot as much as he did last season as well. Um, But then, you know, you look at the secondary pieces. They signed Dante Moncrief. They have James Washington there, a wide receiver too. Who's going to win that battle? Um, And then I I think a, a big winner in free agency was Vance McDonald. Uh, you know, Je- Jesse James goes to Detroit. Uh, Jesse James didn't see a massive target share last season, but what he did do, he ran the 22nd most routes in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, at tight end. So a lot of those routes run and a lot of those looks could go Vance McDonald's way for, for the potential for a big breakout. But, you know, in general, because there's no more AB and because they were so pass-heavy last year and there's going to be some regression from that standpoint, mm. I'm just expecting them to be a little bit of more balanced or run-heavy team. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You've, you've let the cat out of the bag now with Vance McDonald. He was my my late round tight end. That's now probably gone up, a, gone up, especially in my home league as well. So, um, thank thank you for that. <laughs> Moving on, uh, I've got Cincinnati. So, um, yeah, it goes without saying that um, you know the storyline here is going to be Zach Taylor and what he will look to implement. And you know, can it be successful? Um, you know, does he bring in a new quarterback either through the draft or does he pick up a, a, a scrub for for or you know? Andy Dalton can be can be cut for zero zero dollars against the cap. Um, so it'd be interesting to see you know, if Taylor thinks that his that's his guy, or if he wants someone else to to kind of run something that fits his scheme uh, a bit better. And you know how how much does his offense mimic Sean McVay? Obviously, you know 
everyone's looking to, to get the next um, air quotes uh, great offensive minds and we can see that you know Sean McVay tree and the Andy Reid tree you know they have they have different uh, successes but it'd be interesting to see what you know Zach Taylor's a guy that's not not had a head coaching job he's not even had an offensive co uh, coordinator job either so um, obviously I think Cincinnati may be clutching at straws a little bit there obviously he did uh, coach at the University of Cincinnati as well and he said you know when he was coming out Zach Taylor said that this was his number one job opening which was slightly surprising um, but obviously you know going in, in the positive column is 16 years of, of Marvin Lewis. He doesn't actually take a lot to maybe topple that with if you manage to get to the playoffs uh, and win one game. So it'll uh, be interesting to see what Zach Taylor does and who he adds in, in the draft and, and other acquisitions as well because you know it's not it's not a deep roster. There's, there's plenty of holes here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I assume they will. Cincinnati should give uh, Zach Taylor uh, a, a decent amount of time to, to mould the team as, as he wants it and how he wants it to perform. Um, JJ, I'll just come to you. Was, was Zach Taylor a bit of a surprise for you for Cincinnati? Yeah, a little bit. But at the same time, we know that the NFL likes to try to mimic what's going on across the league. And, yeah. and you know, like everyone's been saying, if you touch Sean McVay, you were basically a coaching <laughs> candidate last yeah. this offseason. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, and if they do bring concepts that Sean McVay kind of employed in L.A., they they almost have the pieces that that they would need. And what I mean by that is you obviously have a pass catching back. You have a do it all back at Joe Mixon. Um, but what the Rams like to do a lot is, is utilize their wide receivers all over the field and, and, and use them in the slot and, and draw a lot of movement that way so that you can fuse defenses. Uh, last season, A.J. Green played a lot more in the slot, and he was really effective there. Then obviously Tyler Boyd can play there. So I think that what they need, it's kind of what they, you know, the John Ross, that type of player, you know, the not him, but that type of player <laughs> is actually what they do need to sort of stretch the field uh, a la, you know, a Brandon Cooks. Mm. Um, so so I, I think that we might see, you know, maybe them go after a speedster that can play on the outside uh, in the draft. You know, it's a deep wide receiver class. I don't know if they'll, they'll mm. necessarily spend an earlier round pick on that position. Um, but that's kind of an interesting, interesting place for them to build. But again, right now where they're at, to me, it's it's mostly just a rebuild, and, and if nothing else, Andy Dalton's a, a bridge quarterback for them. Yeah, absolutely, and say so he's exactly right. It's, it's not uh, what you know; it's it's who you know, isn't it? And uh, you know that's why Andre Ellington's got the got a, a job over there in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians. But um, we won't we won't digress into that too much. Um, Lee, Cleveland Browns, a team are going to have many storylines uh, in this off season. But what, uh, what what's your what's your main focus uh, for for Cleveland? Can I just throw a spanner in the works? I mean, can I just, just circle back to Cincinnati just to ask JJ a quick question? Of course you can. Uh, JJ, how do you feel about Cincinnati as a sleeper pick to pick a quarterback in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if, if the right guy is there for sure, I, I would say, you know, what do I think it's logical? Probably not. Uh, you know, I'm kind of a believer from a team-building standpoint you know, it's fine if you want to if, if you're in a position to get that quarterback, right? Wow. Like if you're if your team is terrible everywhere, um, but you have the first overall pick and there's this slam dunk prospect, take that quarterback. Oh. But I, I think that what the Browns did in particular uh, when Sashi Brown was there and sort of blew up that team, uh, it was it was a logical thing to to pass on a Carson Wentz and a Deshaun Watson who who weren't perfect prospects by any mm. means. Um, and it was logical because what they did was build all around that position and they had strong pieces in place to then plop down a Baker Mayfield and say, OK, this is your team. We're going to maximize your rookie contract and we're going to be able to compete right away. So right. to me, I think that if they if they reach for a quarterback or get someone that that does have some red flags, uh, which there are a lot of them in this class, I think for that's sure. less than ideal. Uh, but if they go, you know, if they wait a year where there's a stronger quarterback class, it makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So on to Cleveland then. Uh, well, you guys have like kind of like set me up for this one. You've kind of uh, added to my oop here. Uh, on to the Browns, I'm going to ask: Can they actually win the North? And um, you know, both Denver's all agreed upon. Pittsburgh's looking at shambles. Uh, Lamar Jackson could be, but uh, you know, the Chargers could have made the blueprint to beat Lamar uh, in the playoffs when they went into Baltimore one. And the Bengals just gave Bobby Hart far too much money to be the right tackle. Whereas, you know, for the last couple of years, Cleveland have been every the butt of every joke on every meme on the internet. But now they're looking really good, especially after the OBJ trade. Uh, but I feel like the all talk of 10, 11, 12 wins is a little bit premature at this stage. Uh, obviously, Pittsburgh is still sort of like powerhouse and Baltimore still the title holder. 
you know, and I think it's a big ask for a first-time head coach as well. But either way, I think we're hearing a lot about the Cleveland Browns. So I just want to ask, what do you guys think? Do you think they can actually win the North? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think what goes against Cleveland, now, I know they're favourites currently in the, in the betting in terms of odds and if you wanted to put some money down now, but I think what works against Cleveland is that there's so much hype now, they've got to carry that hype for the next five or six months going into the season. Uh, and it'd just be interesting to see if, if it kind of, not cools off, but kind of deflates them or you know, they carry a burden for five or six months of, of expectancy. You know, this is a team that has only won eight games in the last three years and their over-underline, uh, I think in Vegas, is eight and a half at the moment. So uh, already there, there's a paramount expectation for, for them to perform well. And, you know, you've got Baker Bayfield there who, you know, if you want a guy to, to handle the pressure, it's, it's going to be him. Uh, you know, to, and dotted in if, with that is, uh, is, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. They've got the, they've got the pieces there. Um, but it, it, I suppose I'm coming around to the idea of it's now just, just a wait and see, wait for them to do it first before you know, kind of jumping on and, and crowning them, uh, you know, champions and deep, deep uh, playoff runs and all the rest of it. JJ, I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a logical take. Um, I, I would say it's almost like a process of elimination uh, perspective with the Browns right now and them winning the AFC North because obviously, you know, we just talked about Cincinnati who just seems like they're rebuilding. We have Baltimore who I talked about earlier. You know, they just have lots of variance across that team. Uh, you know, the defensively, uh, and then the offense just seems a little bit unsustainable. And then Pittsburgh has their own drama without Antonio Brown, a suspect defense. So process of elimination, you look at the Browns roster up and down, they look like they are the most talented team. But as you said, you know, they, they, they definitely have to prove that first. And we have to see, you know, there's a little, there's so much potential on this team, uh, but that potential hasn't necessarily come to fruition quite yet. No, absolutely not. Um, yeah, moving on then. Let's move on to the AFC South. Uh, let's start with the division champs. who had a bit of a funny season last season uh, in terms of, you know, f- first quarter was uh, couldn't buy a win and then they couldn't stop winning. So, uh, JJ, tell us all about the Houston Texans. Yeah, so I think that the, the big question with the Texans is, um, you know, what's really stopping them from being elite? You know, they have the quarterback. They seem to have the defense. You know, what is it that they need to kind of get over the top? And they have a great wide receiving core, obviously, as well. Um, I, I think the, the the big question mark is the offensive line. You know, that, that was a, a big piece uh, that was missing last year. You know, Deshaun Watson's a quarterback who's going to get sacked a good bit just given his style of play. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if, if you can give that quarterback that protection, everything else just kind of falls into place. So I think, you know, defensively, they're in pretty good shape. Uh, I think that they could use some secondary help a bit, but defensively, they're in pretty good shape offensively, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a believer that running backs are mostly replaceable in the NFL. So a guy like Lamar Miller, he's, he's fine. You know, they might go out and draft someone, um, but it's a weak running back draft class. Uh, but it really comes down to the offensive line and getting that push and giving the, getting the protection for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, absolutely not. I don't think he uh, particularly would fancy another bus trip to, to Jacksonville, uh, in, in, 2019, yeah. in 2019. <laughs> um, Lee, we'll move on to a team that, um, you know, one of the, the hot teams going into, into the playoffs in 20, uh, 2018, the, the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, sure. Okay. So yeah, my question kind of is the storyline is that how actually good are the Colts? Obviously without being the surprise package, you know, they were a big surprise package last year after they started one and five. Everyone was quite shocked how they came back. Uh, one of the hosts of this here podcast actually wrote an article on whether Andrew Luck could play again. Uh, it wasn't me, by the way. Now he is, and now he's back playing to his best. You know, can they can they stay good now that people know that they're going to be good? Now that everyone's got tape on them, obviously they use this three tight end uh, formation and got a lot of success with it, especially Eric Kimbron. Um, you know, I wrote about this in the article that I wrote about the Colts yesterday at the full-time yard, so obviously go over and uh, go over and have a look at that if you've not already. Um, and, you know, can they actually do this? Can they actually stay at the top or near to the top of the AFC South? And, like I say, without being the surprise package. And, you know, will Eric Ebron regress back to, back to the mean? And I think probably both are true. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I, firstly, I'd just like to point out that Andrew Luck read my article and decided that he wanted to prove me wrong, so that's why he performed so well last season. So <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, you... I'll claim that one. That's a, that's a win for me. <laughs> JJ, thoughts on uh, Indianapolis? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that kind of goes overlooked with the Colts is how well they're run and coached. Uh, you know, the the defense is coached extremely well. You know, they, they are deficient talent-wise, but they're just coached really well. Um, Reich has done an awesome job stepping in. And then Chris Ballard in the front office, you know, they have all this cap space and everyone's freaking out that they're not spending the cap. But a lot of that is just being strategic. You know, a lot of times teams that wait end up getting better deals or they're being smarter about the the current personnel that they have. I think the Colts, of all the teams in the NFL, have have the best case to make to become, I don't want to say a dynasty, but it's a team that can win pretty consistently year over year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Real uh, Chris Ballard there, the, yeah, the front of the front office. He's uh, done a sterling job there, and Frank Reich, obviously, Matt, little uh, good little tandem that they've got going on there. But yeah, from from what it was looking like a year ago for, for the for the Colts, um, quite a, quite an amazing turnaround, really. Um, yeah. And say, well, it, it, yeah, the ripple effect of you know Josh McDaniels not even not uh, deciding to take the job. Who knows where we'd be uh, in this day and age if you know twentieth of what we twentieth of March twenty nineteen if if Josh McDaniels took the uh, the Colts job. I wonder where the uh, the Colts would be. Anyone want to speculate? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it might be a blessing in disguise, mightn't it? And it, just to go back onto your point about Chris Ballard, just before I answer the question, I think what makes it even more remarkable is the, the sort of contrast in the job that Ryan Grigson did. Ryan Grigson was one of the, yeah. possibly the worst general managers in recent memory. He absolutely destroyed that roster, made it really talent efficient. That's why we all thought it was going to be two or three years before the Colts were even thinking about the playoffs, never mind getting there. Uh, where might we have been with uh, Josh McDaniel as well? Probably not as, in as good a state as uh, as we've seen with the Colts now, I would say. No, no, they'd probably have some uh, more more Patriots players on their roster as well, no doubt. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's for a whole other podcast. Uh, let's move on then. So I've got Tennessee. So uh, the, the the pretty obvious one is going to be you know Marcus Mariota, isn't it? Um, last season, you know what what are the vibes coming out of camp with Mariota? And I think we already kind of know with uh, with the signing there of, of Ryan Tannehill. Uh, but it's his fifth-year option. Uh, he's on an unrestricted free agent next season. Um, could get extended. Probably will get extended. But um, you know, he's pick number two, 2015 uh, draft behind James Winston. But this is the this is the biggest season of his career. Um, you know, he's he's struggled for most of his career to to stay healthy. Um, so you know, arm injuries and, and and all the rest of it. So I I just. He needs he needs a good off season. He needs the confidence you know installed into him by, from the from the coaching staff. You know because you know um, Matt Lafleur came in last last year and, and it all kind of went to went to pot. And the, the amount of turnover he's had at the offensive coordinator position, he's got yeah. obviously another another system now to to learn. So he's he's not being helped by the, the things that are going on around him. And you know you, you can argue that his weapons that he's got to throw to aren't the greatest. Delaney Walker's always been injured. Uh, they've not always been the most healthy of, of wide receiver uh, cores. But yeah, I mean, you know, Mariota's career, 69 touchdowns, 42 uh, interceptions that's in, in the four seasons. He's, he's never actually thrown for over 3,500 yards. So um, there is that kind of going against him. I, I know a couple of those seasons they've wanted to be the, uh, the air quotes, uh, exotic smash mouth uh, type of team. But, you know, they've got Adam Humphreys now in the slot. You know, Corey Davis is there as well. Delaney Walker should be back at tight end. So there are a few things working in his favour, but I just think that he needs to try and sort himself out health-wise because uh, otherwise he could be struggling to find a job in, in 2020. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you say, it's make or break, isn't it? Uh, I think maybe the the the, you know, the bringing in of Ryan Tannehill is just to light a fire under him, really, and just give him some real pressure. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and seeing how he copes under that pressure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Tennessee Titans last year were, were a defense team first, weren't they? Um, so you, you could argue that Mariota doesn't actually need to do too much. Uh, and I, I don't want to put the the game manager label on on him um, just yet because I think he's he's a bit more talented than that. Although he's not really had too much of a chance um, to 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 show it. But do we, JJ? Do we have a have a camp battle here? Uh, I don't know if we'll have a camp battle, but I do think that the Titans right now, as it stands, they're they're kind of in quarterback purgatory. So so we need to see something on a Marcus Mariota this year, or else we could see you know the Titans just kind of coasting in that seven to nine range over the next couple of seasons, unless we we see something from Mariota here in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just shout out as well. I, I, I bought a uh, Marcus Mariota Oregon um, shirt jersey from a friend uh, for for tenner, genuine uh, shirt, and I absolutely love it. So that's uh, I love it. Nice. I love an Oregon shirt. So um, added added to my collection. Uh, but we, we shall move on then. Let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Jason, uh, JJ, what's uh, what? Uh, a lot of storylines here, but what's uh, what's the most prominent one for you? 
I mean, I think the the big one has to be the quarterback position with Blake Bortles not there, Nick Foles stepping in. Um, you know, is this really that big of an upgrade to turn around the offense? My answer to that is probably not. Uh, you know, I love Nick Foles. I, I love what he's done. Um, but but it it just seems like a you know a, a a situation where you know he makes more sense as like a bridge quarterback than someone who's gonna actually be any sort of franchise signal caller. So. Um, I think that there's a lot of question marks there. The offense could still be pretty bad. Uh, the defense is still strong, um, but I, I just think that we're looking at another kind of uh, down year for Jacksonville. Yes, um, a far cry, isn't it, from the, the 2017 season uh, where there were a couple of minutes from the Super Bowl. But yeah, obviously our Jacksonville Jaguars uh, over here, uh, yeah, say, I'll try and make the trip down again to, to Wembley to, to go and watch them. But yeah, interesting times over in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, after, like you say, after being so close, uh, it's yet so far, isn't it? I don't, I'm not inspired by the Nick Foles signing at all. And, you know, we're going to see more and more outgoings on the defence as they, you know, scrap for cap space to try and actually re- you know, re-sign anyone. Mm. You know, there's going to be cap casualties and, you know, it, it's that sort of gamble that everyone's going to make, isn't it? That, you know, can you get a few big big name free agents in, and then you know, can you have a, a small window that you're going to win a Super Bowl in? And they didn't do it, and now I think they're paying the price for that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm partly surprised that they, they they may still address it in the draft. But picking from where they are, I think well, they pick seven. I think it is. Um, yeah. They could they could easily take a quarterback there, and um, obviously maybe they, they don't like any of them. That's why they signed Nick Foles. But I, I think maybe they're just holding out on the the fact that the defense is still, um, you know, has has the chance to play at the elite level like they did a, cu- a couple of years ago. And that that really small window and that door being slightly, very very slightly ajar. Maybe that's why they they decided to go for Foles. Obviously, who has uh, Super Bowl MVP too name let's move over to the west end lee uh it wouldn't be a, a podcast if we didn't get you to talk about the charges so do you want to start off in la yeah sure of course uh, like you say don't uh, don't ever shy away from talking about my charges do i uh the storyline for the charges is going to be making the lead to the next level uh i obviously as a Chargers fan i'm quite realistic um i know that the Chargers are just outside the top echelon of teams in the nfl uh, on their day they can beat anyone we don't quite trust them uh, to beat the Patriots, the Chiefs, even the Steelers, really. You know, and when it comes down to it, if we've got like the Saints or the Falcons, you know, in a postseason or a Super Bowl, you don't kind of, you don't kind of get that feeling that it's, it's kind of a good done deal or they're going to be favourites. Um, you know, they've got an excellent nucleus of players behind an elite quarterback who is, you know, he's still getting on a lot of bit, but he's still playing well. Um, you know, they just need to continue to bring in players to supplement what they have. I think Tom Tesco has done a good job of drafting in recent years. And always understated guys who come in. Uh, obviously, no one saw the Thomas Davis signing come in recently. Signing Tyler Taylor as well, another sort of like, you know, left field choice maybe. Um, but these guys come in to make the difference often for the Chargers. Obviously, there's the undrafted free agent uh, market that we always seem to tap in and sort of come up uh, with gold. Um, so, yeah, it's just doing that again, really, and just making the leap and just being able to kind of do that without making these big signings that the likes of Jacksonville do, the likes of our. Uh, flatmates doing the rounds and uh, you know trying to make the league uh, without spending too much money. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And they'll be obviously, be, like we say, trying to make that leap up into the upper echelons with Kansas City, who were the division winners uh, last season. But um, yeah, bit, bit interesting times, obviously, with the Ty- Tyreek Hill stuff. Uh, JJ, is is that going to linger into into this season? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to find out. I don't know enough information really about it. And, you know. I don't I, something like that I tend to try not to speculate too much on but I, I think that that you nailed it with the fact that that Kansas City being in that division with 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 LA and with the Chargers um, you know that that lowers the ceiling for a team when you have that strong of competition just because you know you might not be looking at a, at a buy and that's a huge deal um, in the NFL playoffs is to have that buy we, we've seen teams with the buy winning Super Bowls pretty consistently over the last decade so um, you know, I, I think that if you look at the Chargers uh, as a roster, it's one of the most complete in the league. Um, mm. it's, just, it's just a matter of, I think, winning that division, actually winning it outright so that they have more of an advantage when the single elimination playoff starts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It made a big difference this year, just gone, I would say. Yeah, is there any, anything else for you on Kansas City? Because obviously this is a team last year. You know, Patrick Mahomes coming in after after sitting pretty much the whole of the uh, his rookie season out, uh, set set the world alight, didn't it? And um, you know, I, I, I suppose everyone has to kind of temper expectations. We can't, we we'll be very surprised if if we see that the replication of of their twenty eighteen season. 
Yeah, I, I think that they're going to have to battle offensive regression. You know, that's that's a big storyline for them, um, where where the offense is obviously the reason why uh, they they got to where they got this past year. You know, there's plenty of holes in that defense. Um, I actually think that that what they've done through free agency has been pretty strong you know they got honey badger on the defensive side now yeah. uh they did lose d ford but ford is probably the, the biggest loss for them you know the other guys like eric berry and uh, justin houston they're, they're guys who haven't been really playing as well um you know over the last year or two um so i'm i'm not that concerned about the defense in terms of it taking a step back um but with the offense i think we just have to be concerned about natural regression because it's very very difficult and it, and it won't happen i mean patrick mahomes is very very unlikely uh to have the, the type of season next season next year as he did in 2018 and i think it's just going to be interesting to see how that all unfolds yeah absolutely and uh, say if if, if they you know, without speculating too much if tyreek hill for whatever reason isn't there at the start of the season then uh, so maybe some fire um some alarm bells will be ringing over there in yep. kc um, but Lee, we, I don't want to end the, the segment on Denver, so I, I, we'll end it on Oakland because just how classy we are. Um, so do you, want to talk, <laughs> do you want to talk about Denver's uh, storyline over the off-season for 2019? Yeah, sure. So this is kind of along the same lines as something I said last week. Uh, and it's kind of like what the process is with Joe Flacco. Although I did the same with Case Keenum last week with Washington. The QB market is super dry this year. Uh, options are sparse in the upcoming draft as well, as we've mentioned uh, and vet, veteran QBs are getting paid because of this <laughs> and getting work in some cases, um, even when they shouldn't do. Uh, Joe Flacco's won a Super Bowl, but he's not going to do it again. So what's the process? Um, you know, the Broncos probably don't have Ross as chance chief on the Chargers, probably not making the playoffs without a large helping of luck. Although, unlike Jay Gruden last week, Vic Fangio, he's a first-time head coach, he's first-year head coach, he's he's going to get some time unless he totally bombs it, a la Steve Wilkes in Arizona last year. So, kind of, I don't understand the process. Like, why don't you just try and get your defense sorted, give a young QB a run, because, let's face it, you're not going to get a top QB prospect next year when you finish 6-10 and 10 with Joe Flacco in 19. So, what, what's the process here, guys? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, well, John Elway just loves his big statues, doesn't he? That is, is um, the Statue of Liberty types uh, sitting there back in the pocket. What do you, what do you make of uh, Denver, JJ? Yeah, I just don't think John Elway really knows what he's doing. Uh, <laughs> he he got really, he was very fortunate to get that Super Bowl. Um, you know, the defense obviously was a massive, massive part of that. Um, but you know, their their quarterback evaluation has been horrendous uh, since he's been there, aside from when they got yeah. Peyton Manning. Um, and I, I think it's one of those situations where they might be a little bit of a, afraid of, of what could happen via the draft. You know, I know that, that Locke has been uh, mocked to them very frequently, but um, I think they might be a little bit of afraid there. And they, they see Joe Flacco as a better asset than what literally everyone else on the planet sees. Uh, that's that's kind of <laughs> how I feel about Denver. I just think it's a, it's a pretty poorly run team right now. Yeah, yeah, Joe Flacco, a contentious subject in uh, some of my my close friends' uh, group chats. Um, yeah, so again, won't go into that one in too much detail. But yeah, D- Denver, a bit, bit of limbo there uh, over there in Colorado. Let's move over then to one of the more exciting teams to talk about for the offseason. Oakland Raiders obviously made a, a hell of a lot of splashes in the free agency. So whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, you can make your own uh, opinions on. Bit my my storyline is is going to be what we what we hear or, or the coaches speak of, of you know Derek Carr's chemistry with with Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams, um, you know and also you know is 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 Derek Carr Gruden's guy you know sometimes they've, they've had a frosty relationship than than the Night King and the rest of the the guys there at uh, the Night's Watch but um, yeah I mean John John Gruden has has a lot of first round picks in in the 2019 draft, but you know free agency they've, they've, they've decided to splash out a hell of a lot of money on the on the two wide receivers. Uh, Antonio Brown um, obviously absolutely played the system there, uh, and uh, say kudos to him as well. Three years, uh, fifty million million dollars of a contract and thirty million guarantees as well. But there is an out after after year two. But it'd be interesting to see you know Derek Carr. Likes to hold on to the ball and took took a lot of hits and sacks and doesn't doesn't really like to throw throw the the ball downfield. So it'd be interesting to see why why they kind of brought Tyrell in uh, apart from maybe you know a decoy. But you know Derek Carr was was a 2016 MVP MVP candidate uh, prior to his horrific injury. I should know because I backed him that year to win the Super Bowl. Um, not that I'm bitter about it. Still a couple of years down the line. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see you know how they they handle John Gruden and and Derek Carr handle someone like Antonio Brown because they've not really ever had someone like that there 
and you know will Antonio Brown play you know kind of good cop or you know will he start throwing his, his toys down the pram when he's he's not going to start to be able to to pad some stats like he did over there in uh, in Pittsburgh JJ I, I listened to to your podcast uh, you put out this week about you know the touchdown rate of of Derek Carr and and, and the difference between him and and Beth, Ben Roethlisberger so it'd be interesting to see how the you know the Carr and, and Gruden and the rest of the Oakland there kind of deal with Antonio Brown. Yeah, I would I would agree. I think that the uh, the, the big issue with with the match with Derek Carr and Tyrell Williams and Antonio Brown is the deep ball. Uh, Derek Carr has been one of the most conservative passers when when looking at the deep ball, uh, basically since he's entered the league. You know his his highest season in terms of uh, percentage of passes that go 15 plus air yards um, is basically the the low for Ben Roethlisberger since 2011. So you're looking at a completely different type of quarterback. You know, Derek Carr doesn't stand in the pocket like Ben Roethlisberger does to make those throws. That's a really big, big reason for it. Um, so I think that there could be some issues uh, with the match with both Tyrell Williams and Antonio Brown. Now, granted, a lot of the average depth of target um, data is, is driven a lot by the pass catchers um, that in the personnel that a team has outside the quarterback. Um, so hopefully that rises a little bit for A.B. and Tyrell Williams' sake. But I think that there is legitimate concern because of it. Yeah, and also this is a team that, that you know don't have the greatest offensive lines as well. But um, Lee John Gruden is, isn't the uh, the most kindest of characters. He's quite ruthless. He's quite happy to get rid of people like Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. Um, so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see kind of how how he deals with with AB. Should he kind of start to to show or voice his discontent at the kind of how the team are doing? Because you know going into Vegas in twenty twenty, it's not it's not a team that are going to be expected to to have a deep playoff run. No, for sure. No, definitely not. Yeah, it's going to be diff- It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because you know, is he is he here there just for the money? Is he there to actually win? Uh, Gruden's obviously brought him in. He's obviously thinks that he's going to be sort of quote unquote his guy, and maybe he's getting rid of people like Mario Cooper and and uh, Khalil Mack who he didn't think were his guys. So he's obviously Gruden's got a lot of time on his side. He's got all the time in the world, all the job security in the world to kind of build this team and, and make it his. So maybe that's what he's doing. Yeah, maybe he's got he's got all the green as well, all the money there with that uh, that nice little contract he's got stuck away in his back pocket. But yeah, I mean that, that said, Derek Carr had career highs last year in you know attempts, completions, completion percentage, yards, uh, but also sacks as well. So that the um, you know maybe the defense played a little bit of a part of that as well because that was also uh, not the greatest. But it'd be interesting to see what they do in the draft in terms of offensive linemen or maybe even a, you know some people mocking them to to draft a quarterback as well. Do, do, what do you think? Uh, JJ, that the the Oakland Raiders do with the majority of their their first round picks. Um, you know, I, I part of me th- thinks that they were going to make a move for Kyler Murray. Um, and I, I think Gruden loves him, and and you know would make sense. But uh, it's you know Arizona's being linked to them. It just sounds like they're going to go that route. So I, I don't know if they'll go quarterback. So you know maybe they just look at at finding an edge rusher uh, to to help the defensive side. Yeah, absolutely, and it's obviously draft season uh, just uh, just over a month away now, isn't it? So, are you a big draft college guy, JJ? Uh, I do a lot of prospecting with running backs and wide receivers in particular. Uh, anyone, anyone that you like that maybe is a bit under the radar at the moment? Um, I'd say at running back, the whole class is just seems to be pretty uh, pretty landing spot dependent. You know, there's not a Zeke or a Christian McCaffrey or even a Leonard Fournette in this class, so. Um, you know, I, I, we, we might not even see a first round running back, which would be the first time since I think 2014, since that happened. Um, <clears throat> but at wide receiver, it's a really, really good class. Uh, my, my top wide receiver, uh, is Nikhil Harry. He's, he's just, a, a his, his production profile was incredible. He broke out at a young age. Um, but if there's kind of like an under the radar, not enough people are necessarily talking about him kind of guy. One, one player that pops in my head is, is, uh, well, there's probably two. I really like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, aside from the yeah, fact that his, yeah. na- his first name is, is Elite. Um, <laughs> I, he's, 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 really, he's really got a, a complete profile. He's a great touchdown scorer at Stanford. Um, so, so he's someone that I, that I think is going to fly under the radar a bit because he didn't participate in the combine. Um, but then there's also uh, Andy Isabella. Um, so he's a, a smaller dude from Massachusetts that, that's kind of being uh, typecasted as a, as a slot receiver. Um, but, you know, really, I, I think he can play on the outside. And I think a legitimate comp for, for Andy Isabella, um, maybe not to the, to the extreme or the degree, 
is Brandon Cooks. Uh, Isabella came out and he he was a track star um, and he ran like a four three one at the at the combine. Super fast guy. I could see him rising to the second round. Um, I, I just think he's a really really fun and, and intriguing prospect. Lee, I heard you making some funny noises there, so I, we can either deduce from that that you're either eating a pot noodle or you liked one of those names. No, I just think JJ Arcega Whiteside is, is someone that isn't going to get isn't getting enough buzz. Uh, he's in my top five wide receivers. I think I've got him at number five or number four in my in my rankings at the moment. And yeah, he's just someone who I was just really like, yeah, really pulling for. I think he's a great wide receiver. He's got that basketball background. He's going to be a red zone monster. Uh, so yeah, no, just. Just appreciate what JJ is saying there about his fellow JJ. Mm. <laughs> and just to be clear, Lee, you're, you're not eating a pot noodle. I'm not. No, no okay, no, right, cool. No, I thought I just 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 I thought I just clear that up. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that of course brings us to the end of the AFC storylines for 2019. Uh, I want to extend my my heartfelt um, gratitude to to JJ to, to for coming on and spending some time with us. JJ, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And say, well, thank you, JJ. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And say everyone out there should very much, after this uh, podcast finishes, go and download his late round podcast. Uh, you will instant, instantly become more, more intelligent and say go and give him a, a follow on Twitter at late round QB as well. But JJ, uh, all the best uh, with, with your podcast. Say we are we are keen listeners here over on the Full 10 Yards podcast. And say if you're ever, ever in Scotland or you're ever in Brighton, give us give one of us a shout. We'll, we'd love to show you the sites. I definitely, definitely will. <laughs> Thanks, JJ. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. That's all your AFC storylines for 2019. But how good is your AFC knowledge? It's time to find out because it's the full 10 questions. Okay, quiz time here on the full 10 yards and uh, time to put someone else's knowledge to the test and we have a familiar familiar friend on the show the head on the swivel podcast is today's contestant uh previously had tom griffiths on the show but today we have his counterpart sam sam welcome in hi it's uh, nice to be here tom told me a lot of good things so i'm looking forward to it absolutely and uh, what's your what's your nfl knowledge like um i'd say modern stuff pretty good but as soon as it goes back into you know 10 20 years then then I start to, to fall to a bit. So hopefully that won't be an issue today. Yes, I don't. And uh, just before we get into the questions, Sam, do you want to just talk about your podcast? So, yeah, uh, my podcast is at HOAS Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we're heading a swivel. We kind of talk about talk about the news, the big issues in a kind of funny way, I'd like to think. Uh, focus on the big issues as well. We do some serious stuff, some fun stuff, lots of fun games and segments too. So... Yep, we're, we've got a kind of an episode coming up in a, in a week or two, no doubt, uh, before the draft mm. with uh, an analyst friend of ours, so that'll be, that'll be pretty good. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, for those of you who are familiar with Head on a Swivel, we had uh, Tom on a couple of weeks ago. Oh, he, he loves the Bucks. Yeah he, d- yeah, he does. Yeah, very knowledgeable as well. So, yeah, we're talking of knowledgeable, we'll see how knowledgeable you are. Are you, are you ready for the questions? I'm, I am ready. I am waiting. Okay. I am quite nervous. Absolutely. And just a, a shout out to anyone out there, any podcast, any person that wants to come on and have a go at this, uh, they are more than welcome to get in touch with us uh, in our DMs and we'll, we'll get you on. But I say everyone knows the format by now. Ten questions. Uh, we'll go through all of them in, uh, at the end to see how well you're done. Okay, Sam, we'll start off with question one. Where did Dallas Cowboys play their home games? Uh, AT&T Stadium. Uh, question two. Zach Taylor is the current head coach of which team? Oh, my God. Oh, it's so bad. I'm trying to think, who can I not think of? <laughs> oh. oh, man, this is awful. Um, I can't think about who went into the Jets, so I'm going to say the Jets. Okay, question three. What number does George Kittle wear? George Kittle... I'm thinking 89, but I don't think it is. I'm going to say 89. I don't think it is, but... Okay, moving on. Question four. Who did the Buffalo's Bills select with their first-round pick in last year's draft? Oh, the the man, the myth, the legend, Josh Allen. (laughs) Very good. Uh, Question five. How many penalty yards does a neutral zone infraction uh, on the defence incur? I think it's five. Okay. Oh, I really hope it's five. Question six. Name uh, Name the team in the NFC North that last played in the Super Bowl. 
Jesus. Uh, do you know when you have a total uh, brain fade? You, you've got a one in four chance. I have a two. Packers? It's got to be the Packers. Okay, moving on. Question, question seven. Which team in the AFC South has just one letter in its logo? Uh, Titans. <laughs> moving on. Question eight. Which player scored the most receiving and rushing touchdowns combined for Philadelphia in 2018? Zuckers. Okay. Uh, question nine. Name any team that quarterback Donovan McNabb played for in the NFL. McNabb was Eagles. Okay. And finally, question ten. How many total rushing yards did the Baltimore Ravens rush for <laughs> la- last season, including Lamar Jackson, within 250? Oh, man. Oh, man. So, what, Lamar came in at, what, around, like, week eight, it must have been? Um, he was doing like 100 a game most of that stretch then you got oh, I'm going to say 2,400 okay how do you think you did? I'll be honest I think I did awful I'm going to say like 3 out of 10 4 out of 10 best all right, well, we'll go through it. So question one, AT&T Stadium is, of course, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Zach Taylor was Z- uh, Cincinnati Bengals, uh, was the one you could Oh, of course. Uh, George Kittle is number 85. Oh, that's so annoying. <laughs> so annoying. Uh, Josh Allen was, of course, Buffalo Bills. That's fine. Five yards for a neutral zone infraction. That's also correct. Uh, Green Bay Packers were the last NFC North team to play in the Super Bowl. Also correct. Uh, Tennessee Titans has the just the letter T, obviously, <laughs> in their logo. Okay, that's good. Um, I, was, I was so confused then because I'm, I'm standing on a street in, in the middle of Hammersmith and I could barely hear. Oh, <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, the, glory, the glory of editing, that's fine. Um, question eight. Uh, Zach Ertz was the most combined receiving and rushing touchdowns for Philadelphia, so well done on that one. Uh, Donovan McMenab, you could have had the uh, Washington Redskins or the Minnesota Vikings as well, but the Philadelphia Eagles were a team, so that's that's correct. And the total rushing yards for Baltimore Ravens was 2,441. So uh, kudos to you on Are that Are you one. kidding me? No. There you go. Oh, wow. Yeah. So pleased with that. Yeah, absolutely. Eight, uh, eight out of ten, all, to, uh, all told. So very, very well done there. That was really fun. Thank you. Yep. Uh, I lucked into that a bit, but uh, I'll eight. take eight out of ten for sure. Yeah, eight out of ten. I'd say if you, if you managed to get the George Kill or Zach Taylor, you'd have been uh, alone at top of the leaderboard there, but you joined the uh, the rest of the pack. Good honour. That's a good honour. Very, very well done there. So, yeah, congratulations. Thanks for thanks for coming on and uh, good best luck with all the uh, the podcast stuff and say I'll tune in when you you get your draft your draft episode out. Thank you very much uh, and thanks for having me on. It's been great. Another eight out of ten there in the books and say we uh, published the the leaderboard there earlier in the week. Sorry sorry to Charlie who I. I took off a mark he actually got eight out of ten so yeah um it's, it's, it's amazing how when you, you make a mistake how quickly uh, social media jumps on you eh? yeah for sure i think we've all done that lesson haven't we yeah but yeah no, another eight out of ten uh, we're still waiting for someone to hit the nine or ten the promised land of the full ten yards uh, the full ten questions and i think when once i think when someone gets ten we'll have to give them a a, a podcast t-shirt yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it'd definitely be uh, well warranted, wouldn't it? It does. You know, it's been so long now. We've been doing the quiz for quite a few months, haven't we? We can't be that threshold of eight. So, yeah, yeah definitely deserves a bit of a prize. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Mount, mount, the Mount Everest of NFL uh, NFL trivia, but, yeah, yeah, I think we're about 22, 22 23 people in uh, on the quiz. So, if anyone out there wants to have a go at the quiz, get in touch with us uh, at 410 Yards on the Twitter. Our DMs are open. Um, but before we sign off, I just thought it would be good to let everyone know, all the listeners out there, um, you know, Come two weeks' time, I think we're going to, we're going to do a revamp, Lee, aren't we? We're going to freshen up a little bit uh, and just change a few things as as the new season starts. As I you know, I know the new season, the new league season has already started, but I constitute kind of draft season um, as kind of the new season. So um, no, no better time to do it than, than maybe the first of April. It's not it's not an April Fool's joke. So I'll just put that out there now. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, but, no, yeah just freshen it up. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, you know, just giving a fresh look. Uh, you know. New, new head, who, who dis kind of thing. Who dis? <laughs> new pod, who dis? 
Like yeah. it. Love it. Um, yeah, we're just going to change the going to change the intro. We're going to change the logos a little bit and just to, you know have more consistent um, content. You know, daily on on Twitter and and, for, and Instagram and Facebook and all the rest of it. So, if you're not following us on one of those platforms, please go and do. And whilst you're there, obviously go and go and leave leave us a review of the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and all the rest of it wherever you get your podcast. But yeah, I suppose uh, just obviously next week we're going to have the boys from Five Yard Rush and Ice the Kicker on to talk uh, all the free agency. The dust's now settled on a couple of deals. Obviously, the second wave of, of free agency is kind of going through at the moment. So come next Wednesday, uh, we'll be another Wednesday podcast as well. We'll be Wednesday through the off-season as well, just uh, in the middle of the week there, just to give you something for your hump day to get you through to, towards the end of the week. But yeah, next week will be free agency, and then we'll officially start draft season, spelled S-Z-N, as the kids do. Um, so we, we just loads of little different topics, Lee, uh, just to build up to, towards the draft. Yeah, for sure. No, obviously, it's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, so yeah, no, going to be good. I uh, can't wait to get into it. And uh, obviously, just to mention, just signpost everyone a little bit, bit you know, a little bit prematurely, perhaps, but I'll be doing quite a lot of draft articles for the site, uh, starting from early to mid-April as well, dropping some positional rankings, uh, more mock drafts, as I usually do. And then just for the draft, I'll be dropping my top 100 players and obviously my final mock draft on the eve of the draft as well. So yeah, all about draft season. Uh, which starts in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and then just the cherry on top is I'll I'll, uh, I'll do a mock draft as well. It's not my forte, but uh, I've listened to a few a few uh, draft podcasts today, so I've got a few ideas of, of where I think where play, some players will go and who's obviously I know the, the top the top prospects, but uh, maybe some of the deeper stuff too. Maybe some uh, some speculative uh, mock drafts there from me as well. So we'll, I'll add that on as well, just to kind of put some. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you're, you've got all the good stuff. I've I've got to put some bad stuff out as well. So just even it out a little bit. Yeah. Got be, you've got to be, you can't be too biased on this podcast. So. It's all about opinions, my friend. It's all yeah. about opinions. Yeah. Everyone's got one. Absolutely. Absolutely indeed. Um, okay, that all being said, uh, we that will probably wrap us up for the Full 10 Yards podcast this week. Thank you all so much for joining us. Um, yeah, we'll speak to you. I say, don't forget to check out our uh, Where Do They Go From Here series articles that say Titans will be tomorrow. But until next Wednesday, Lee, um, what, any plans for the next week? Oh, just just get better. Just start feeling healthy again. <laughs> and you start your new job next week as well. I do start a new job. So obviously, I'm, I'm in the last week of my job at the moment. I just came home from a crazy day at work. Uh, so yeah, I don't want to miss my own leaving drinks on Friday. So yeah, just getting healthy, getting through the week, uh, and then just chilling out before I start a new job on Monday. So yeah, just it's sort of opening up a new world. Less travelling, so I won't be turning up late for podcasts anymore, which is good. <laughs> Uh, which I'm sure you'll appreciate. Uh, but yeah, just uh, just relaxing, I think, before beforehand. Nice one. I so my part of my America football team, we have a, a game of a, a scrimmage, kind of an unofficial game, if you like, uh, with against the Glasgow. Uh, I think it's Glasgow Tigers. So that should be quite interesting. My first taste of uh, American football action. So uh, quite keen to to get out on there. Got training camp with the team uh, over the weekend. But if you're if you're in the Scotland area, come and come down, come down to Dunfermline. It's here at the Dulock Leisure Centre. Um, come and see, come and see a game. I think it's one thirty ish. It, it starts. So yeah. Uh, and if anyone listening out there that wants to play the game, um, head over to Double Coverage or you know if you if you are in the Dunfermline area and want to play, c- come join us. Come go, get in touch with us and we'll, we'll get you down, get you in some cleats, get you some pads, and uh, we'll, we'll throw a ball about. It's all it's all good fun. So looking very much forward to that. Um, but until then, I say I might be dead by uh, sun- come Monday morning. So, um, <laughs> yeah, hope not. Hope yeah. not. Yeah, good luck with that. Sounds awesome. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe yeah. TBC maybe TBC on next week's podcast I'll, I'll let i'll let everyone know on monday <laughs> might just be my voice then next week boys yeah. and girls uh, hopefully hopefully not but uh yeah in the, in the meantime uh, say th- thanks for listening everyone so it's goodbye from lee yeah goodbye everyone have a good weekend see you on the other side and it's goodbye from me too hope you enjoy the rest of your week chaps and your weekend as well we'll speak to you next wednesday so the great words of kevin cadle it's bye bye for now bye bye for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com